With your host, Andrew Donaldson, this is Heard Tell. Uh, welcome back to Heard Tell. I'm Andrew Donaldson. Thank you so much for giving us the most precious thing you have, your time. That's why we do what we do here on Herd Tell. We turn down the noise of the news cycle, try to talk about things that matter, try to ignore the things that don't, or get to the bottom of them and try to find if there's anything in there worth talking about. And we discern our times by having good information, talking to knowledgeable guests. So glad you're with us. Appreciate it. Uh, there's an old saying that when it comes to the workplace, you should never talk about religion or politics, especially not together. Of course, that's kind of a fairy tale. You can't separate those two. Why? Well, religion is a study of what people believe, how they see themselves, how they see life itself. Politics is how people govern themselves, how they see their worldview and how they see their interactions with other people. People are important because they are the most precious things on earth. It's the only things we can't replace. Once you're dead, you're gone. Can't bring that back. And our perceptions of how we treat other people and how we treat ourselves and how we view people is important. So no, religion and politics is not inseparable, no matter how much you may want it to be, how much you probably don't want to talk about it in certain work situations. I get that. I've enforced that rule a time or two when I was in charge of things. But we talk religion and politics on this show and they go together because people are complicated and those things feed into how they see the world, how they see politics and how they see each other. Let's go to an opinion piece in the Washington Post. This is by Paul Waldman. Now, I don't agree with absolutely everything here, but he drives to something that I want to discuss. So I'm going to read his piece as a basis, and we're going to talk about a few things real quick. Again, these are Paul Waldman's words um, from the Washington Post. Constitution may forbid any religious test for public office, but where politics is actually practiced, Candidates are constantly testifying about their faith, hoping we'll all see them as principles and morals, no matter our own beliefs. Yet, despite what many voters believe, there's very reason, little reason to think there's something worthwhile about piety and politicians. A recent kerfluffle over comments by Jenna Ellis, an erstwhile Trump lawyer, current senior advisor to Pennsylvania Republican gubernatorial candidate Doug Mastriano, who himself adheres to odious Christian nationalist worldviews, made this question newly relevant. Ellis responded to a recent Post article on Democratic nominee Josh Shapiro's Jewish faith by tweeting that, quote, Josh Shapiro is a best a secular Jew in the same way Joe Biden is a secular Catholic, end quote. It was an utterly vulgar for a Gentile like Ellis to pass judgment on whether any Jew is sufficiently Jewish. It's also a particularly weird way to attack Shapiro, who is devoutly observant. Again, this is Paul Waldman writing in the Washington Post. Unfortunately, this wasn't too surprising given the recent eruptions of anti-Semitic remarks from high-profile conservatives, including Donald Trump, who has a long history of tossing around anti-Semitic tropes while expressing surprise that more Jews don't abandon their values to support him. Most notable, though, is the implication that being more secular in Ellis's eyes would make Shapiro more objectionable as governor. Is there any evidence at all that pious and observant politicians make better governors or senators? Are they wiser, more compassionate, more competent? possessed of more integrity of those who don't regularly attend services or look to scripture for policy guidance. There is, I haven't been able to find it, in our long history of rogues and villains in public office, the highly religious are more than adequately represented. 
As in the rest of society, there's no pattern in which the corrupt are more likely to be secular and the moral more likely to be religious, either personally or in their official capacity. Again, this is Paul Waldman's writing. I'm going to talk at the end of it, but let's go through this first. And there are plenty of less religious office holders carrying the quantities that the faithful is supposed to bring. Take somebody like Bernie Sanders, who, unlike Shapiro, happens to actually be a secular Jew. Despite never claiming his religion should dictate policy, Sanders embodies what advocates of pious politicians say they want. You disagree with him, but he's clear and consistent with his principles and his positions and decisions. They're unwavering, and among other things, his supporters believe they immunize him from corruption. We can argue that some other time. Campaign contributions won't necessarily change his positions, and as so often happens when people claim they're looking for principles, what they're really after is nothing more than politicians who support their team. Nothing demonstrates this more vividly than evangelicals' rapturous embrace of Trump, whose professions of faith are comically phony that not even his supporters can believe them. When Ted Cruz ran against Trump for the GOP 2016 presidential nomination, he said any president who doesn't begin every day on his knees isn't fit to be commander-in-chief. That's a Ted Cruz quote. But the GOP's religious base turned away from Cruz and all the other more religious candidates give their support to Trump. Seemingly the living representation of character flaws Christians are supposed to abhor. But why? Because what really mattered to them was Trump hates who they hate. And they don't care what his Bible versus his favorite book. That's in quotes. But can't name a single Bible verse. Remember 2 Corinthians? That was fun. That happened to Liberty. He hated and infuriates liberals and he fights the culture war. And that's what mattered to a lot of them. And to a degree... This is Paul Waldman writing now, not me. He said, and to agree, they're right not to care. And the rest of us shouldn't either. Among the benefits of not worrying about how often a candidate sits in the pews, we may finally get some representation for the tens of millions of Americans who aren't religious. An important recent development in the faith of Americans is the rise of the quote-unquote nuns, the rapid increase in those who tell pollsters they don't believe in God or don't identify with a particular religion. They make up a quarter of Americans, and the numbers are even higher among young people. And yes, there's even such a thing as a conservative atheist and conservative liberals out there. Yet there are almost no nuns serving in Congress. Christina Cinnamon in Arizona may be the only one. A candidate's faith may sometimes be a shortcut to know which positions they'll take, but it won't tell us whether they'll be honest and trustworthy. There are plenty of things that go into being a good public service. But being religious isn't one of them. That's Paul Waldman writing in the Washington Post. Don't agree with all that, but he's driving at something, and I want to use that as a basing off point. There's a lot of ways you can talk about religion and politics, and almost all of them are fraught because somebody's feelings are going to get hurt somewhere in there. Even inside of faith groups and denominations or however they're divided up, you can't get people to agree on anything. Trust me, I'm a Baptist. We argue everything from casserole to colors of the carpet to what kind of music. We can't agree on anything about anything. And that's just inside of our own little corner of the religious world. That goes for a lot of other people, too. Catholics, Muslims. I'm sure our Jewish friends argue about certain things during synagogue meetings. I don't know if they have business meetings or not. But in our churches, we certainly argue over everything. We can't agree on very much, even inside the confines and constructs of our faith. So when you start talking about politics and religion in a big pluralistic society like the United States of America with 330 million people getting more diverse by the minute and polling shows us getting less religious by the minute, you're going to upset a lot of people no matter how you address this. So let's kind of keep it on a practical level and just deal with it this way. Here's one of my rule of thumbs when it comes to a candidate and their religiosity, for lack of a better term to put it, what they say. As in all things, judge actions, not words, because anybody can learn the buzzwords. They can speak the languages. They can say the right things. They can even quote whole verses of scripture. 
doesn't really tell you anything about their personal life. So I already can hear it now. There'll be folks from our Christian friends will be like, it's not very Christian to judge. Okay. It is Christian to fruit inspect. That's in the Bible. Might want to check that one out. But I do judge actions and I do inspect fruit. If you claim to be of a certain kind of fruit tree, I want to see what you produce. So go with actions, not words. Here's you a good telltale with a lot of people. People that got to be really loud and be really upfront and tell you how great they are with their faith and how religious they are and how much they pursue their faith and how Christ-like they are or how much they attend to whatever other faith group they may be like. That's usually a red flag to me. Now, you can call me cynical, but here's the thing about it. Your religious belief should have a lifestyle component to it. That's why I don't lead off with it. I'm a very bad example of my faith group. I try my best with it, but I'm really, really not good at it. I fail a lot, so I don't lead off with that. If you want to talk religion, we can. I've studied theology better part of 20 years, both academically and just because I enjoy it, but I don't lead off with that because I'm very aware of my own sins and my own failings. We can talk about it if you want to in a conversation. See, that's how you handle that. If you're going to lead off on your Facebook pages and your Twitter feeds or your candidate websites or your fundraising emails, yes, do that too, then I have a right to judge you based on that. And if it doesn't match up with the faith group you're aspiring to, I can judge that too. But what Paul Waldman got at here, and the part I do agree with him on is, we've got too many people that don't want to do that. They just hear the words and never actually judge the actions to see if they match those words. Now, some of that's because we're all hypocrites to some degree. We all have failings. That's why we have faith in the first place, because we're all trying to work through this life thing. We're all trying to understand life. We're all trying to figure out how to be better people. And whether that's for your God or for your own good, depending on your faith group, it's a noble thing to work on. But if you're just using it to put people into groups and categories, if you're just using it to identify people of your tribe, you've stopped doing that. You're not really trying to improve yourself anymore. Now you've just got a tribe. Now you've just got a group. You might as well be the Elks Lodge with a cross on the front of it. Are you really being all that religious if that's the case? Culture and politics and religion and politics and morals and politics and morals and religion are some of the most complicated concepts we have. Philosophers have debated them for years. Theologians have fought over them. We fought wars between different religious groups over these sorts of things. So when it comes to religion and politics, we ought to be at least able to talk about it honestly and say, let's judge actions, not words. Your buzzwords don't impress me. We have internet and Google now. Anybody can find those. What does your actions tell me? And fair enough, just sitting in a pew doesn't make you religious or going to synagogue or going to Friday prayers or whatever other religious group you are. Fair enough. Everybody can do that. Going to Walmart doesn't make you a Walton. I get that. What does your life say? What does the things you put your time and energy in? We always open this program with thanking you for giving us the most precious thing you have, your time. Let me see where you spend your time. Is that with your faith group doing charity work or doing things in the community or praying or whatever it is? Or do you spend that time attacking other people? Politics is rough. Religion is hard to understand. But we can judge people's actions. And if they don't match their words, we should believe them. More Hurt Tell right after this.
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.